Okay, good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Aleph in Maseches Yuma. But we're going to start from Daf Pei Amun Beis, 12 lines up and two dots. The said, we, we talked about the Mishnah, we said that only liquids and liquids combine and only solids and solids combine. Yesterday's discussion was about how really the threshold for the shear of solids is objectively a koseves, whereas the threshold for the shear of liquids seems to be, uh, in terms of Inuit, seems to be a malo lugmov, seems to be subjective, depending, and, and we talked about hydration um, being different in terms of taking the, the edge off uh, relative to just nutrition, where it's more sub, more, Hydration being subjective as opposed to nutrition, which is more objective uh, in terms of taking the edge off, even though a salad would satisfy, let's say, me uh, less than something fatty and meaty and dense would satisfy Andrew Singer. It still is both a violation of Inui. We're going to talk a lot today about this violation of Inui and how it's structured. We already mentioned it. It's a very unique um, halacha. It's quoted, it's uh, expressed in the Torah as an asay, uh, and yet we know that it's a lotasay that carries with it, right, um, an iser kares, and we're going to uh, discuss that in the Gemara soon about where do we know that there's an iser kares. Well, that the Torah explicitly says is an iser kares, but it's very unusual because usually in terms of the formulation and the language, there's something called a azhara. There is a specific way that the Torah expresses an Isser love that carries an Isser Kares that is lacking in Yom Kippur, we're going to spend most of today finding a derivation for, for this Azhara, finding the, the source for it. But before we do, let's finish up this idea of combining different volumes of foods. What if you have different kinds of foods and you are combining it? So, Amar Papa, Achal Umso Milcha, let's say you have a piece of meat with the salt on it. This is like, do you count the gravy and the dressing from the salad when you are considering, now that we've established the volume of a kosevis for solids, so let's say you have salad with dressing. So is the dressing considered part of the volume of the kosevis? Why wouldn't it be? Well, it's a liquid. We're not supposed to be combining uh, solids and liquids. But the chiddush here is that the kind of liquid that attaches to a solid, right, is considered part of the solid. So... The perfect example would be salad dressing, right? Salad dressing is a liquid, but that's not considered, right, liquid and solid mixture. That's considered part of the solid, uh, part of the solid because it, um, right, so even solids have some moist component to them. And so when it's all, it's all mixed together, then it's considered um, a one solid mass. So that's what Rav Papa is saying, that if you have a piece of meat with salt, mitztarif, Right, salt itself, if you were to eat it on its own, would not be considered food. Since this is how people eat it, the salt together with the meat, there will be mitzdarif. Similarly, there's the salad dressing, right? Uh, brine on top of greens, that's old school salad dressing, but really new school salad dressing would be the same. As we said, the Gemara says, Pshita. The Gemara thinks that this is obvious. Okay. So Gemara spells it out like we just said. You might have thought, well, the salad dressing and the brine is a liquid. It's called. Anything that's part of the food, right? Like or 
right? Machshir mitzvah, a sub subordinate thing that's part of it, uchlahu, right? It's it's useful in the ultimate preparation of the food, and that is considered part of the food, and therefore it is going to be incorporated into the shear of the kosevis. Another aspect of Rishlakish, I'm Rishlakish, Ha'ochel Achila Gasa, Biyomikipur, and Pater. Okay, this is a new thing. Achila Gasa. Achila Gasa is when you've eaten too much. So once you've gotten to the point where it's no longer eating, but it's like competitive eating, right? Where um, Joey Chestnut Kobayashi type, type thing where it's not even enjoyable or it's not even nutritious. It's really more than any human being would consume. So that's not already eating. Why? Because my time, Asher lo unexiv prat lemazik. Right? In other words, Asher lo the Pasuk is saying that you're supposed to, right, afflict yourself by not eating. Well, if you're already at the point where you're completely full and you're forcing it down, so then... So then, that form of eat, that that form of eating is not a violation of afflicting yourself, right? That form of eating is already uh, actually kind of like an affliction uh, on yourself, and therefore uh, that is that that is excluded with asher los une. Okay, Amar Rabbi Amar Rishlakish. Rabbi said the name of Rishlakish is Arshach Chuma Achila Gasa. So now, sticking with the topic of Achila Gasa, let's say you have a czar. Is a czar allowed to eat truma? No. What, it, what happens with a czar who eats truma? He has to pay back uh, the value of what he ate. And on top of that, he has to pay chomesh. There's a penalty for eating truma. However, that is only if you've done achila. Because the Pasuk actually says, right? Uh, yochal kodesh bishgaga. Right? This is in Vayikach Chapez Yudalid. If a person eats this is when he eats his you get to uh, you get to add a chomesh so he has to return it to the coin with a chomesh the chomesh is like a knas right that he does but it's only in the context as the pasuk says ki yochal only if he actually eats says the gemara prat limazik that's to exclude right we we have this concept that achila gasa that kind of eating is not what the Torah means when it says eating. It means actual eating, eating that has both nutrition and some level of enjoyment uh, and is healthy. But that which is already past the point of nutrition or enjoyment or health, that's called mazik and that's not called achila, right? Achila is not just defined by ingestion. Achila is defined by, right, healthy, nutritious ingestion, okay. So now, based on that, Amr Yirmi, Amr Yochran, Zar, this is a, gonna be a strange case, as we finally arrive to pay Aleph Amr Aleph, Shakosis Seorim Shiltruma. So this would be true also of what? A person who eats things in the way that they're not typically eaten, right? If you're eating, right, like a rubber tire or something like that, so yes, that's ingestion, but that's not, that's not considered eating. Similarly, Kosis Yurim, he's eating barley, so what's wrong with that? Well, it's not really eating. He's just chewing, right? And it seems like he's consuming it, but it's raw barley, which is something which human beings never eat. Human beings don't eat the barley raw, apparently, or at least in those times, it was considered like eating bark of a tree, right? So eating that, that's not achila, right? And therefore, this is the point. It's truma in this particular case, right? Because produce can be truma. Raw barley is still can be truma. So since raw barley can be truma, you are actually still going to be in violation of what? Damaging. 
the coin's truma. When you damage, that's the point. The, the, the Torah is saying when you eat a coin's truma, when a czar eats a coin's truma, he has to pay back for what he ate, for the deficit that he caused. And on top of that, he pays a chomish. But that's only when he ate it. When he just straight out damaged it, right? You threw it in the garbage, you set it on fire, so then you have to return the damages, right? And you have to pay it back. But the chomish is only for eating, right? This addition, additional thing, as we read inside the Pasuk, yochal means that the chomish is only for eating. So if you're eating something inedible, then you're not going to have to pay back the chomish, right? So because as we've said. Uh, a really gross case here now. This is going to wake Goranowitz up. Goranowitz, yesterday I was talking to Matt Bornstein. He came by. Shout out Matt. Driving from Florida to New York. Stops off in the middle of the night in Baltimore. And he listens to the shear. And he says, I should have an annotation on the, um, on the iTunes when Goranowitz is there. Because, because then, then he listens to it with extra, with extra excitement. But don't, don't get, don't, don't get carried away today, Goranitz, because we have like 12 art scroll pages to do. We have, we have a big chunk. But I just wanted to give you the chizik. Everybody loves it when you're, when you're on the, uh, on the what's, on the, um, sh- on the sheer, on the audio. Amar Shitzvi, Amar Yochanan. So this is going to wake you up. Zar Shabal Shitzifin Shaltruma Vahi Kion. This is a crazy case. Somebody ate plums of truma, a non kohen so that's, uh, sir, he should have to what? Pay back a chomish for that. It looks like he just uh, looks like he ingested in all the proper ways this these plums, and therefore he damaged the plums, and he also did it in the derech of achila, and therefore he's going to have to pay back a chomish and the truma. But then something crazy happened. He threw them up. He just right. He threw up, and so all the shadifim there. Ah. Oh. Unbelievable. A second czar comes and eats these uh, already been consumed plums. ABC plums. So Rishon, Mishalam, Karen, Vachomish. So as you would expect, the first one ate plums, right? That's Achila. In other words, to eat it in a bulimic, Rachman way, to eat it and then throw it back up, is still considered eating because at the time of eating, I guess, is the Chiddush, right? You ate it for reals. And then you throw it back up, so now you're going to have to pay the Karen Chomish as anyone would when they ate it. Shani, but the second one also has to. Ein Mishalm el Belvad. But obviously he's not paying the coin because the coin's already been paid from the first one as if that was the only thing that happened. But as we just said, that wasn't the only thing that happened. Something else astonishing happened. The second guy ate the already been eaten plums, and that guy has to compensate what? The first one, why? Because, not because the first one lost out from the nutrition, and that the first one did to himself, but because once the first czar threw up the plums, he could have used it as firewood. And therefore, while not extremely valuable, and certainly not all, no longer considered edible, right, those plums, after they've been, right, regurgitated, can still be used as firewood. And so whatever minimal amount regurgitated plums provide as far as firewood, that is what the second individual has to uh, pay back the first. Meaning, right, the, dis- the disgorged plums belong technically to the first czar, right? He wasn't supposed to have it, but it's like a Ghana, right? Once, uh, it's like the uh, halachas of a gazlan, the, the, um, the rights that a gazlan has to what he stole. In a sense, that first one, you know, those disgorged plums are his, right? He's paying for it with Karen and Chomesh, so to speak. Um, 
so to speak. In other words, the second one, it seems, is also a Kiddush, has some sort of compensation that he has to provide the first. Okay, very fascinating case, but at the crux of it is the idea that non-nutritious, non-enjoyable eating is not considered achila for purposes of Yom Kippur. And so now, we're getting back to ochel v'ashosa ein mitztarfin, that we're not mitztarif, solids and liquids. Six lines down and two dots. Mantana. Who wrote this concept of liquids and solids not being combined? So Amar of Chista, the Machlokas Shnuya, that actually, this idea of where the solids and liquids are combined is actually a Machlokas. It's recorded in a place called Masechas Me'ila. And our Mishnah is in fact a reflection of the Shitas Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yeshua rather. It says Machlokas Shnuya Rabbi Yeshua he. Ours is the Shita of Rabbi Yeshua, the Tznan, because we learned in the Mishnah Me'ila, Klal Amar Rabbi Yeshua. What does this mean? Rashi. Right, so different kinds of Tumah are imparted by different kinds of things. So if you have an actual body of a, right, an actual corpse, so that could be Matamabe Kazayas. Or Nevela is a different thing. And that's going to be, right, a person who becomes Tumah Nevela, for example, has to wait a different amount of time in the purification, right? The purification process and length are different for all of these different types of tumah, as are the shiurim. So, for example, so shratzim, it's the size of a lentil that's going to make you tummy, right? A, a, a corpse is going to be a kazayas. So as Rashi says, if you can have a corpse with a corpse or a lent, half a lentil of a sheretz with a half a lentil of a sheretz, all of those are going to combine Right, in a case where it's man to and shava v'shir and shava atame b'shir echad. Right, so two, two, right, three quarter lentils. Right, you need a lentil size tumah v'sheretz to give you tumas sheretz. So you you were matame uh, three quarters tumas sheretz on one and one thing, and three quarters tumas sheretz on the other. Those two are going to combine because both have the same shear and it's the same type of tumah, which would have the same type of purification process, and that actually is mitztarif, meaning I guess you would not have to, in one shot, be, right, that's literally what it means, that it wouldn't have to be one shot a lentil size, it could be two half lentils, make up a lentil, and are mitztarif for purposes of tumah. Fine. That is what Rabbi Shu is saying. However, tumaso, shetumaso v'shu'er shar mitztarif, however, tumaso v'lo shi'er, or shi'er v'lo tumaso, or lo tumasu veloshir ein mitzarfin, right? The only time that you're going to be it is two things that match up completely, right? So in the case of, right, tuma, it has to be two things where the type of tuma and the shear and the shear that would be mechayiv you are all the same. As long as everything is the same, then yes. But if either the type of tuma or the shear that's that's going to be mechayiv you are disparate. Those two things shall not mix. And so similarly, we'll say, maybe he is the Tana of our Mishnah who brings out the idea that when you have a liquid for which the shear we already discussed is a subject of shear of Malal Lugmav on Yom Kippur and a solid for which the shear is the object of shear of Kosevis on Yom Kippur, those two, right, you wouldn't say that the shiurim are the same, and thus they should not combine, and that would be the source of our Mishnah, that solids and liquid don't combine to create a shear on Yom Kippur. That's the suggestion of our Gemara. But the Gemara says, perhaps that's not true. That was Rav Chista's suggestion. Rav Nachman disagrees. Rav Nachman Amar, Filotema Rabbanon. Right, presumably that's who the Bar Plukta is over there in 
there are and hold that you can be Mitzarif all these Shurim in these cases. But even if that were true for Tuma, that would not necessarily be true over here by Yom Kippur. Why? Because Ad Khan Lokamrin or Banan Hasam Elayinu Tuma. Fringin Tuma, perhaps Rabbanan would say that you can, right? Even if you hold like the Rabbanan that you can combine disparate legal measures for, right, for the different types of Tuma. That's because the shame tuma chadhi. Yeah, one thing's tummy, the other thing's tummy. Okay, so the purification process is different, so the shear is different, but it's all just tuma, right? In the context of uh, being mitzarif shiurim, it's all just tuma put together, and so whatever it is that it combines to form, that could be mechayavu. And as we've said before, here it's because of Yishuvadas, which is to say, to take the edge off, the Isser is to take the edge off of the hunger and the thirst, and you cannot take the edge off the hunger and the thirst. That's how we're um, defining Yishuvadas. And we said that there's a certain amount of solid and a certain amount of liquid that is necessary to take the edge off the hunger and the thirst. And those two shall not meet. In other words, just because you combined for a shear of liquid and solid does not mean that you accomplished, right, both the, the hunger and the thirst. Those two are two separate sort of like areas of the brain that become satiated, or right, where the edge is taken off, and therefore each shear, says Rev Nachman, is actually treated independently, even according to the Rabbanon who put together the shearim with respect to Tuma. Fine. So um, the Gemara is now going to cite where this machlokas Right, was said more explicitly. Right, this is what Ravchista said. Ravchista said, that our Mishnah is talking about being Rabbi Yeshua, that's non Kalamar Yeshua, and he, like Ravchista did, right, Rish Lakish quotes, right, the Mishnah in Me'ilavar, Biochanan Amar, so this Machlokas Ravchista, right, and Rav Nachman is also Machlokas Rish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan, where Rabbi Yochanan says, Afilu Tamer Banan, Ad Kamal Kamer Banan, Hasam Elin Yantuma, Abalacham Mishum Yusuf Daitehu, so we see the same exact machlokas of Chisar and Nachman is actually also machlokas Rabbi Yochanan Rish Same exact words, same everything. Okay. So now we arrive at the Mishnah on Peyam Aleph Amad Aleph. And this is where we are going to, we already teased this Mishnah coming attractions. This is where we're going to try to find the Azhara for Yom Kippur. Says the Mishnah. In a single Helem Echad, this is harkens back to Shabbos vibes, right? You didn't know it was Shabbos, or you didn't know it was Usser. You do a show gig. You do a show gig. You eat and drink on Yom Kippur. You're having a party, and you're doing all these things. But it's really one sort of moment, isolated moment of unawareness, right? Where you were just not aware of what you were doing at the moment. Um, and that would be true. The easiest thing... That is that, let's say you forgot there was Yom Kippur for the moment, right? The truth is, the other thing would be whether you forgot that it was us or, uh, to eat or drink at Yom Kippur. We have a hard time believing that, right? Because if you know it's Yom Kippur, what do you think you're supposed to do? Eat, eat and drink? It's possible, right? Not everybody has uh, the same, the chinuch that, that uh, the Goranowitz got in Laurelton. But uh, let's, let's go with the simple case, right? You, you wake up in the morning, you're disoriented, and, and you forgot it was Yom Kippur, and you're sitting down and you're having a meal. That's one moment of unawareness. You see people then getting up and like putting on their kittel, and you say, Ay vey, what's going on? Anyway, so how many, korban, how many different uh, acts, how many different korbanas, this is a shogay, clearly. The, eating on Yom Kippur is a chi of kares, isr kares, and 
the chi of kares b'shogeg when done is a chi of chatas, korban chatas. How many korbanos chatas are you going to have to bring, right? So remember we had the elam echad by all the lama tes malachas. So the reason why we have them split up is that you have to bring multiple uh, korbanos. But here, is the eating and drinking two separate korbanos chatas? Says the mission, no. Eating and drinking, though the shirim are not mitztaref, is considered one iser. Why? Because it's just one shame, as Rashi says. The chad shemahu, chad shmahu, it comes from the same Pasuk, and that Pasuk says, right, and from there we learn eating and drinking. And therefore, that has one name to it, one Avera, and thus one Korban Chatas will be all, all you bring. However, right, because it says separately in the Pasuk, you shouldn't do Malacha. So, what we see here is the Isser Malacha on Yom Kippur and the Inuim on Yom Kippur come from two de- different sources in the Pasuk and thus would carry for a Shogeg two separate Korbanos Chatas. Okay. As we just discussed, if you eat foods that are not Roy Lachila or Vishasamashkin Shaina Uyin Lishtia, okay, oh, Vishatatir or Muryas Pater. And so we're uh, going back to that, that if you drank fish brine, or some murias, dissolved fish fats, which nobody does, that's not a thing that people consumed in those days, that was not considered roi lachila, and therefore potter, you're not going to be bringing a korban chatas for that. You did that, uh, right? So eating that, consuming that bishogeg, you don't have to bring anything at all. So the Gemara starts with this. Avarei Shlakish. Nabari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, Shlita, cautions. Uh, this is not an exercise that we could ourselves do. We'll let Rish Lakish and the Gemara ask these questions. Why? What's the question that's about to happen? It says Rish Lakish, As, right, the Mepharshim are quick to point out here. This is not, right, a question of how do we know that we have the Chiyuv, right, uh, the Chiyuvim of Chatas. By the way, it's Malkas to Raisa. That that that's the that's the issue here. The issue here is like this: the iser of achila and yom kippur is a lav, right? It's an iser of achila. It's not a mitzvah to not eat, although that's how it's expressed in the Torah. It's it's expressed in the Torah as a mitzvah of ve'inisem es nafshoseichem. So 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 it sounds like a mitzvah asay. But it's the most unique of mitzvahs asay because it's kind of like a los asay, right? It's you shall not eat. So is it an asay or is it a los asay? It's this unique hybrid aspect of the mitzvah that makes it so uh, so confusing. And so the real question here is, we know what the halacha is. We know you're going to get malkas midoraisa, chas v'shom. If it's b'mezid, you're going to have to bring a korban chatas. If it's b'shogeg, just like any lav sheyesh bo maisa, right? Eating during a, is lav sheyesh bo maisa. The question is, how do we know, right, um, that it's a lav? It's not, there is no actual, it's a, it's a linguistic question. There is no actual expression in the Torah of, Alta said this, don't I say this. The usual language of love is missing. The halacha we know, but where is the language? Where's the language in the Torah? The, la- the Torah makes it sound like an essay. That's what Rachel Lakers is asking. That's what we mean by azhara, right? Where is the azhara in the Pasuk? So, Rish Lakish is, is going to say, we're going to give a lot of suggestions as to where we know the Azhar and the Pasuk, but just keep in mind, the Azhar is really like, how do we know that it's a lav? So the first thing that Rish Lakish is saying is, Mishum Delo Efshar, 
Amazing idea. Linguistically, it was, it's a conundrum. It's impossible to express it. And then he goes through all the possibilities of what you would say. And he says, see, I'll show you. This is why it doesn't work. For example, how are you going to express this unique love of Losan, of where Losa'une, right? Of Vinisa Mefnasho Shechem. How are you going to express it? So he says, Let's say you say lo yochal. So that would be a love. That would be great. Except for what? Achille bekazayis. Whenever you say lo lo yochal, because it means, as we've discussed already, the isra would be kazayis. And yet we know that on Yom Kippur the isra is not bekazayis. It's bechachotzevas. So therefore, lo yochal would give you the wrong impression that the isra is bechazayis. It's not really an isra achila per se. It's an isra. Of, of, right, of is different, as we've been discussing up until now, that has implications for the shear, and, and the difference between liquids and solids, and all of these things. It's Vinisim, so many ap- applications of the fact that it's really Inisim and Nafshosechim and not Dafkan Israchilo. So that language would not be, uh, would be misleading, and therefore that's why we can't say that. So says the Gemara, Nichtar Rechmana, Lo Seune. You say, Lo Seune. In other words, you should afflict yourself, but put the word low in there to make it into azhar of alav. Says the Gemara, what, what do you mean? That, that you can't say, obviously, because that would just mean eat. <laughs> that would be like saying, don't afflict yourself. That obviously can't make, that, that, that would not make any sense. That's what the Gemara says. Kum echol mashma. Lo gives you the exact opposite wrong impression. That the one thing you're not allowed to do on Yom Kippur, because it's such a beautiful day of atonement, it would be like, um, Mishanichnas Adar Marbin Besimcha, right? It's just supposed to be, uh, it's a, it's a opposite calendrical coincidence, because we're about to enter of, and Mimat Besimcha. So it would be the opposite. It would be like, yeah, the, this is such a special day, the last thing you could do is afflict yourself. Well, that would certainly send the exact wrong message that you should have a banquet on Yom Kippur, so we couldn't have said Lo obviously. This is all, again, like, uh, this is, right, we're asking rhetorical questions here almost, right? Semantic questions just to demonstrate the fact that this is a difficult word to express. When we read the Psukim, mind you, it, it seems pretty obvious, right? Right? It says, right? If you look at Vayikra Chav Gimel, right? It says, Okay, so, so what are you saying? So we see that it's basically expressing what we know, which is the Isra Kares, right? The, 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 the classic things that are by Yom Kippur. It's like saying, how do we know that it's, that it's also in Yom Kippur? Well, it's Yom Kippur. <laughs> Meaning, but it's, it's literally what the Gemara essentially is going to be answering, right? It's all going to be getting very technical with the Psukim. But at the end of the day, you read the Psukim and it has all the elements of the Isra Malach of Shabbos. All the, and Mechasavi Amea, it says, So it's not really like the Torah is leaving in doubt what the punishment is going to be. But it's just a very specific semantic question of where is the specific language of lo suneh, right? Where, where is the specific language of you shouldn't al ishamer, lo ishamer pen and al, right? It's specific. So, so it's a good question, Gorano. It's, it's, um, it's, it's because we find everything interesting, right? Like we're interested in this because it has really important um, implications, right? Obviously, uh, 
well, uh, a lav, sheesh b'maisa, has a very specific kind of punishment. So we know what the punishment is, but we're very, we take that very seriously, right? In other words, it's very unusual to have this kind of punishment without the lav, actual, lo yishomer pen and al, the actual lav language, right, being found in the Pasuk. And so we're searching for how can we justify the punishment, right? In other words, we don't just give punishment from our own, right, uh, logic, we have to give punishment based off of the actual Torah. We would never punish another human being without it being explicit in the Torah. So we're looking for where is this explicit written in the Torah? Okay. Uh, that's the calendrical coincidence. We're about to have this Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. It's a big Shaila. As Rev. Dovah Katz asks, Pinchas, uh, is given, uh, he's lauded for the fact that he took a spear, right? And killed, actually killed somebody, right? For the lewd acts. Uh, with Minos Moab. And the question is, well, how, what gives him the right to do that? That's not written in the Torah. That's a really big issue. You're not allowed to just take matters into your own hands, go rogue. Wow. You're not allowed to do that. So the answer, so you have so many different perushim. So, so a lot of the answers will revolve around, well, it was the halacha of Moshe Misenai, right? It was given. And otherwise, how could he possibly do it? And then, then it becomes the question, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu do it? If it was a local Moshe Messina, Moshe, Moshe himself was in, was in the building, so to speak, right? So it, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting question, but, so we don't do it unless, unless we know that we have to do it. Fine. So, Matkiflo Rav Oshia. Rav Oshia is objecting, and he says, Nichto Rachmani, Shomer Pen Lo Seune. Was Pinchas ever mentioned before this incident? Uh, oh, no, I don't think, no, this is the, the last week's yeah, last week's partial, you had to be in Shul. Pinchas is mentioned, uh, Barry, Barry points out. You're saying you want to get a profile on Pinchas. It's not for now. It's not for now, but that's an important question. Uh, do, we, do we have, it, it, would, it would seem from the Torah that every other indication that we have of Pinchas, right, uh, is that he was, in fact, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron a coin, right? Every other indication that we have of Pinchas is that he was not a belligerent. This was not out of belligerence. It's not for now. It clearly was not because he did it for Shalom, did it for the right reasons to restore order. It's, it's really, it's a whole sugi in itself. Anyway. So the Pasuk said like this. Careful lest you don't afflict yourself, which is a triple negative or whatever it is of make sure you do afflict yourself. So Gemara says, Well, all these extra Abundance of, of double negatives will result in too many isurim, right? That will give uh, la, extra lavin and too many, right, azharas, thus would be associated with uh, extra punishments which are unnecessary, okay? So matkiflor of Bibi Barabaya, it's amazing, right? They're getting, um, they're getting exuberant here, this hatkafa. Nikhla Rahmana, Hishamir Bimitzvas Inui, fine. So don't say Hishamir pen. Just say, Hishamer b'mitzvah inu. Be careful with the mitzvah of inui. Aha. Uh-huh. Says the Gemara, Im kein, Hishamer lav, lav Hishamer d'asei, asei. In other words, like this. We're saying, be very vigilant, right? Hishamer. Okay. So, the problem is, when it says, Hishamer b'mitzvah inui, makes it sound like an asei. Certainly does. Even though, you use the word Hishamer, this is what the Gemara is explaining. The word Hishamer is ambiguous. Hishamer just means be very vigilant. So it takes on the either a iser lav or a chiyuv asay, depending on what it's attached to. So if you attach it to what sounds like a mitzvah asay, then it just becomes an asay. Even though it's the word hishamer, we usually say lo hishamer pen and al, 
means that it's a lav. But what's unique about the word hishamer is that hishamer really just means be vigilant. And so hishamer in the context of an assay can also mean an assay. That's what it means. So that's what it means. It says hishamer delav lav, hishamer dasay assay. Such that the phrase hishamer be mitzvahs inui would just mean be very vigilant in the mitzvahs assay of inui. And we know that it's not a mitzvah assay, it's a lav. So that Rav Bibi's suggestion does not work. Okay. Matkifla Ravashi. Ravashi always, you know, he was the general editor of the Gemara um, here. A shout out, Lila Nishmas Rav Milinowitz, the general editor of the Art Scroll Zatzal. Matkifla Ravashi, Nichtov Al Tosir Mina Inui. Says, ah, Ravashi has the last word here. This would have really worked. Al Tosir Mina Inui. Don't avoid affliction. Ah. It's, it's really a convoluted language. Don't, Lososir Mina Inui. Don't avoid Inui. That would be the best way of telling you that you should do inui, affliction, and putting it in al lav format. The Gemara says kasha. It's a difficulty. Every time we say a kasha, we see we know that it's not a tiyufta. We've mentioned this many times. A tiyufta would be wow. That's that's a point that we're really going to have to go back to the drawing board. That you really got us there. Kasha is like. Okay, I was once in Herschel Shech Deshir, and a guy was talking about, since we're talking about double negatives over here, a guy said, you know, you always see a double positive being a negative. No, yeah, you always see a double negative being a positive, like we see over here, right? Uh, where we said the double negative was a positive, where we says, he shamer pen lo seuna, right, the double negative. Be careful lest you don't. Uh, do Inui, which is to say, do Inui, that's a double negative being a positive. But you never see a double positive being a negative, this guy said in Shir, to which Rav Shechter said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was very clever. He says it right on the spot. Barry enjoys it. Barry enjoys it because he hops that, yeah, yeah, is a double positive because both he's saying yes. But really, he's, he was a little bit dismissive. So whenever I see the word Kasha in the Gemara, I think, yeah, yeah. In other words, yeah, all right. We could have said, we, we could have said, I'll toss her mina Inui, but really? Like, is that how the language really sounds? We could sit here and, and, and say, and as the Achornim do, you know, why that's not the case. But the bottom line is, that language is not found. How do we know Inoi doesn't mean sitting in the, the house? Oh, come on now. Now, come on now. You can't miss a day and ask an explicit question that the Gemara asked. Of course, it's an excellent question. The Gemara said, how do we know that Inoi doesn't mean sitting in the hot sun? So it's, it's relevant to what we're saying now. Really? It's a, or, or sitting in the freezing cold. So the, the, the language is, and this is what we're doing right now. It's so funny that you mention it right now because you intuited that we're now 11 lines up from the wide and the Gemara asks, We have another Tana that learns the Chiv Inoy of eating and drinking from the following Pasuk. What does the Pasuk say? Okay, that it equates inisa mesnafshashechem with kol malacha lo sa'asu. This is the psukim that we were saying before. So kol malacha is how we, the Gemara, by the way, this was the source in the Gemara, how do you accomplish a malacha? By not doing malacha. In other words, how do you accomplish a v'chol malacha lo sa'asu with passivity, right? V'chol malacha lo sa'asu means you accomplish the chol malacha lo sa'asu by not doing malacha. Similarly, the type of Inui that we have in Yom Kippur is accomplished with passive, not with actively going in the sun, but passive, avoidance, okay? Okay, so says the Gemara, You might have thought, there's Rashi here, what's going on here? Rashi says, You might have thought when it says, that you'd be punished, what? For not adding on 
uh, a little bit, a few extra minutes as we do for Shabbos, let's say, right? Because it's equated to Shabbos, Shabboson, you, that you might have to, what? Add on. To Sephis Shabbos, right? Big hawk, whether that's Midaraisa, uh, uh, or Midarabanan. Pashtas here, it's from the Psukim, it's Midaraisa, that you have, to, you can't just do it right on the moment it turns Shabbos and start doing Yisra Malacha then. You have to have a little Tosefis right before. Okay? So you might have thought that would apply, that Yisra Malacha aspect would apply to Yom Kippur also. Talmud Lomar, the Psukim, as we've read, read already in Vayikra over there on, on uh, Chav Gimel, uh, it says, Wow. So we have an actual allusion in the Pasuk to the fact that it has to be on that day proper. So fascinating idea that Isser Karis on Yom Kippur is only on Yom Kippur proper, but not on the edges, right? Not on the moments before and after Yom Kippur. So we have, right, with regards to Malacha, we have Etzameyomazet. What about regards to Inui? As we've already discussed, there's two different streams. That would be two different korbanos chatas. If you violated Malacha and you violated the Ochel, uh, uh, you know, on the same day, you'd have to bring a Bishogeg, you'd have to bring two different korbanos. So that second stream of the Inui, what would you say there? So also with regards to the Inui, it says, So, very, very good. Ali Tzu Mishal Yom Anushkari says the Gemara Ve'inu Karsh Altosefes Inui. Fine. Yochol Lo Yeheb Bechlal Onesh Avlihe Muzhar Altosefes Malacha. Interesting. So wait a minute. Back to this Hazhara. So let's say that it's not Bechlal Onesh, but you have Hazhara Altosefes Malacha. What's the suggestion here? In other words, in, in other words, Kares. In other words, how do we know that's a lav? Right? In other words, maybe there would not be a karis. Maybe you would just have the lav. What's going on here? Right? That's what Rashi's explaining. That, that, you need to know that there is a lav here. The karis we know. But this is again, we're talking about the azhara of the lav. How do we know that it would come with the Malchus Daraisa as well? The Malchus Daraisa come on Lav Sheyeshba Maisa. So we see, right, as we already noted, the language is, is uh, a little bit missing, right? We don't have the actual classic Hazara that we usually have for Lav Sheyeshba Maisa. We want to know the source, so we're looking at these Psukim and we're massaging them in order to figure out the source. That's what we're going to be spending a little time doing here. As we continue with the Brisa, the Brisa says, Yocholoye Muzar Tosefes Malacha, Avye Muzar Tosefes Inui. How do we know that there's also a lav, Antosefes, not just Antosefes Malacha, but Antosefes Inui? Vedinu. Maybe you could do so with a Kalvachomer, like a logical assumption. Ma Malacha Shenhegas Bishabasus Viyom Tovim Enim Muzar Leha. Right? We see Malacha is something that is common to us, right? We are very familiar and used to the idea that on Shabbos and Yantiv, you don't do Malacha. Oh. But you don't have actual azhara. In other words, right, we understand that the inui of it, right, so it's, 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 it's certainly, um, it's certainly obvious that with regards to that, that you also would not have this additional hazara. In other words, there is no lav associated with tosefes Malacha on Shabbos and Yantiv. And even though Malacha on Shabbos and Yantiv is like a matter, a fact of life that we're used to, there is no love on that. And so thus, the even more unique concept of the Inui, um, would be, 
would, would, it's, it stands to reason that that certainly does not have an aspect of a lav on its tosefes because it's a sort of a kalvachomer. That whereas one is common and we know that we have to have tosefes malachan Shabbos and Yantiv, and yet there's no Azhara. So certainly Inui, which is more unique, and we don't even, not even sure whether there's an, a whole issue of Tosefis uh, Inui or not. So there, there certainly is not going to be Azhara. To which the Gemara says, Aval Azhara le Inu shilom atzmo lo lamadnu. Even the Inui itself, in other words, we understand that the Inui of Yom Kippur is unique, but where do we even have Azhara for that Inui altogether? Minayin. So it says, lo yomar onish, so this is, Kind of similar to what we said before. Now, as before, we were talking about the Azhara also. Where is this Azhara of Inui? It's very similar to the question we asked before. Where is the source? So before, we were talking about a linguistic source. Now we're looking for, right, scriptural, right, precedent here. So we say, So we could say, like this, the Torah, right, doesn't have to say that there's an Onish bin Malacha. Because we already learned the onish from Inui, right? Uma Inui shein anog b'shabbos v'yom tovim onish karis malacha shenegav b'shabbos v'yom tovim lakol shekain. We could have said that like this: that on right, the, the, the issue is like this: the onish of karis is mentioned. Let, let's just let's just set the scene. The onish of karis is mentioned both by Inui on Yom Kippur, as we've read in the Psukim, and by malacha on Shabbos and Yantiv. Everyone's cool. His onish is mentioned explicitly in Torah for both. What the Gemara is going to try to say here is that the love is derived from the fact that the onish does not have to be mentioned in both, right? Because we could have learned one from the other. And if we can learn one from the other, then the additional karis, whether the additional one is the one on Yom Kippur or the one on Shabbos and Yantav, we will see. But if one of them is superfluous, that's called mufne. That means that it is available Right for Xerashava to teach you that it is an azhara for both. That's the that's the path that we're taking now. Right the again so kares is mentioned in both. It, if it is if one of them is in fact superfluous, we're going to learn Xerashava that we're going to have azhara for both. Mind you, it's an implied azhara. Right, it's not explicit. But since we have Azhar for one, we can learn the Azhar for the other. But you're saying, but we don't have the Azhar for one. We don't have the one for Yom Kippur. So that's what the Gemara is saying now. In other words, right, but the Gemara is saying that we're, ma- we're making a comparison because the Azhar for Shabbos and Yontav we do have, right? So again, that's what we're saying. That since we have, right, a, in, uh, an Onish of Kares for Yom Kippur, right, and therefore, we don't need to learn that we need that there's an Isra Kares by Malacha on Shabbos and Yantav because that's so much more common. And therefore, Lama Nemar, why then is it necessary to say Kares with regards to Shabbos and Yantav? Because Shava. We are leaving that Isra Kares expression in the Torah free to learn from it as follows just like the Isser Kares punishment is spelled out as we've discussed as we've read in the Pasuk with regards to Yom Kippur and Inui right as we said right right 
right? So, Benamar Onish Ben Malacha, and we also have the Kares by Malacha and Travis and Yantiv. Ma Malacha lo Onish Elaim Ken Hizir, just like when it comes to Malacha and Travis and Yantiv, we know that you would not punish you unless we had Azhara, unless it said Alav, Af Inu lo Onish Elaim Ken Hizir. So too, by Yom Kippur, right, we have, we're not going to be punished unless you have Azhara. So you say, wait a minute. We don't have Azhara, so therefore, uh, in Achinami, we shouldn't be punished. No, the, it's saying, no, that that's supplied by the Gzeir Shava of Kares Kares is the implied Azhara for Yom Kippur. It's, there's a lot here. In other words, how you make this Gzeir Shava, how can you make the Kalvachomer? Asks Birnbaum. Isn't this a violation of the idea of Ein On Shin Min Adin? Right? It's not just Birnbaum. This was brought up by the Siach Yitzchak, it turns out. That Ein On Shin Min Adin is a concept that you don't learn in Onish from a Kavachomer. So we didn't see it inside, so we don't know what the answer, but we thought of a bunch of answers. Perhaps Ein Onshin only applies, right, for the punishment. True. For, so you wouldn't be able to uh, exert an Isser Kares on somebody, right, based off of a Kavachomer. But the Azhara, right, the Lav, the fact that it's a Lav, that maybe you can. I don't know, that's a speculation. But the bottom line is we're learning this Azhara from the Kava, from the Xer Shava, um, of Karis Karis. However, the Gemara points out, Ikel Mifrach. This Kazer Shava can be blown up as follows. Mali, you know, Yishalah Hutter Meklalo, Tomer Belacha Shurter Meklalo. What's Hutter Meklalo? Like this, Shabbos is suspended for Karbanos. Hutter Meklalo. Because of Shabbos, we're going to, right? So when you have Shabbos, you're going to say all these things in Shabbos are going to be Mutter, like Karbanos. You could eat, you could do the Melacha. In order to, to do the Karbanas on Shabbos. So Shabbos is Shabbos, right? We keep Shabbos and we don't do Malacha except for when we do, like Karbanas. Mashain can Yom Kippur, right? Yom Kippur, uh, we say you can't ever eat the Karbanas just because you bring Karbanas. You can't eat those on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is solid. It's called Lohutur Miklalo. That doesn't move. So for that reason, you need the Hazara for Malacha, right? That's what Rashi says over here. That you need the Hazara for the Malacha, right? Because, because Shabbos is a little bit, right, weaker. You need the Azhara. That's the point. The point is, it's not Mufne. If you need the Azhara of the Onish, then it's not available to teach you the Azhara. That's the point. So, again, if Yom Kippur is more Chamer, however, then we can learn Yom Kippur of Shabbos. So, Gemara says that. It says, this is how we could establish Xer Shabbos differently. Says, no, don't say that the Onish is learned from Malacha. Ma, we could do it the other, right? We established the Gzeir Shavu in the other direction. Right? You could say, so now we're flipping it. We're going to say, Inui is more Chamor because Lo Hutter Miklalo. So now we're Gemara suggesting, fine. So you can't learn Shabbos from Kippur because Yom Kippur is more Chamor because it's Lo Hutter Miklalo. So learn Inui from Shabbos. Again, we have Karis twice. One of them, is superfluous. So, so fine. So the one by Yom Kippur is superfluous because you can learn that from a Kavachomer because Yom Kippur is more Chomer because it's Lohotem Reklalo. Right? Because you can't, that, that Inui Isser even applies uh, to the Karbanas of Yom Kippur. So, Lama Nemar, why then do you have the extra Kares? Mufna Lahakish Lodun Men Shava. That's is Mufna for the Gzera Shava. Wow, we really <laughs> ran out of time. So, Nemar Onish be Inui, Venemar Onish Melacha, Ma Melacha Onish Vihizir, Af Inui Onish Vihizir. To learn the Azara of Onish. So the Gemara challenges that Gezer Shava as well, however, from the same reason it said before. So, right, 
each Yom Kippur and Shabbos each has a kula in the Chumrah. The kula of Shabbos is that you do the Korbanos on Shabbos. Um, the kula of Yom Kippur is that it's more, it's less common than Shabbos, and therefore we don't really know as much about it, so we can't, we can't assume that there's an Isra Malacha. That's what the Gemara says now. Inoi, we don't apply to Shabbos and Yantiv, and therefore the kares by Inoi is not superfluous. It's a chiddush because that's something that's unique to Yom Kippur and thus not mufna. So Amaravina, no, we learned differently. Haytana etzem etzem gamar. We said beetzem yom is for each one, which is to say mufna, right? mufna In other words, without the mufna, right, we need to have a different logic. We need perfect logic. That's what it means. mufna Without the mufna, without the gzair shavu, we need perfect logic. We don't have perfect logic, so we use the gzair shavu of etzem etzem mufna. And we say, uh, however, yes, there certainly is mufne. Chamisha Khamisha We have five psukim b'malacha and it says chad. And now it's going to go through the five psukim with regards to Isra Malacha and Yom Kippur. And we're going to say chad l'azhara de'yamama. So each one is an allusion to the azhara. One, the azhara that you can't do malacha and Yom Kippur day. Chad l'azhara de'leila. One is to the illusion that you can't do it at night. Why do you need a separate one for day and night is a question of Tosfos Hashanim that he doesn't answer. Because after all, day and night are part of the same Yom Kippur. But that's Fascinating. Chad la onish de yamama, vechad la onish de lele. One is for the onish of the day, and one in the other is onish of night. Vechad la afnuye, le migmar inui, mimelacha ben de yamama ben de lele. And finally, after you've done the four, one for day, one for night, one for onish, one for azhara, you have the last one, which is mufne, and that last one, which is mufne, is going to be used for the be'etzem, be'etzem, gzeir, shava, to teach you the azhara by yom kippur. Whoo! So that's where we arrive at the Azhara for Yom Kippur. So now we're two lines up from the bottom on Pei Aleph Ahmed Aleph. And Ravacha Bayakov Yalaf Shabbos 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 Bereshis. Shabbos Bereshis means Shabbos. Shabbos Shabbaton means Yom Kippur. Ma Lahalan Lahanish Elam Kim Hizer. Afkan Lahanish Elam Kim Hizer. So ultimately we know there is a Azhara, there is a Lav. And that is the issue, right, of the, uh, uh, of the, um, I mean, Nisim Esnaf Shosechen here. We'll resume tomorrow with Amar of Papa, which is the very last words on Pei Aleph Amad Aleph. And we have actually Daf, uh, Pei Aleph Amad Bez takes about five, ten minutes. So Andrew, don't have a conniption in California. We are going to Bezos Hashem, do some catching up, uh, tomorrow as we resume the second half of Pei Aleph and forge on into Pei Bays. That was a very, very challenging little shtickle.